Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Back UL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Ross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Coming up in our next segment, we will have Brad Spielberger from PFF with his usual weekly appearance to talk about week 14 of the NFL. And when it comes to this week's slate of games, Joe, at least a few of them will be impacted by the weather. You've mentioned before this week about uh, the Lions and the Bears and how there could be some rain and some wind. Uh, Jaguars-Browns could very well be impacted uh, by the rain. Colts-Bengals, another one. Texans-Jets maybe another one. As far as all of these weather games, what do you think are some big takeaways that we need to be keeping in mind as far as key line movements and things like that? Well, five totals have already moved at least five points. Five. Uh, so I mean, people aren't waiting around and seeing. Okay, if the longer you wait, you can get a little bit uh, more of an accurate reading. Like, no, people are betting this. Uh, well, they already did. They already did. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, did we miss it? it? Can it continue to drop more after you look like Detroit, Chicago, for instance? You bring that one up. It was forty six and a half. Now it's forty. So how much lower is that going to end up going? Or will that just continue? When you couple the weather with the uh, quarterback situation, a pair of backups um, from when it was very uh, first posted, that's going down 10 points. (laughs) This is crazy. It's crazy. Uh, But yeah, no, it's it's a lot of the same stuff we're always looking for. And that, that key marker is 20 mile per hour wins. If it's 20 or higher, then you really got to watch out. The interesting part mm-hmm. of those five that we're talking about, New England, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Houston, the Jets, Rams, Ravens, a couple of them have backup versus backup. And then the Jets, we don't know who the quarterback's going to end up being. So not only do we have some poor conditions where rain is expected, uh, make things slick, but we have the the high winds and we have terrible <laughs> quarterback play. Like guys that might just barely be top 50 in the league at this. So uh, I I think (laughs) that's all part of it. Just, you know, it's been the season of the under and part of it is because of all the bat, the uh, quarterback injuries, backups playing more. And now we get backup quarterbacks in terrible conditions. So um, yeah, I I can't say that we've gone too far with any of this. It's just, it's going to get to a point where, okay, now do you have to go on the other side in this year? Are you willing to do that? That's tough. I know it's crazy that you're seeing like a total of 30 and a half, 32 and a half. It's just wild what's going on. But with bad weather and these backup quarterbacks, I don't know if I can bet over. I just don't think I I can. And it's something where even if the weather were clement uh, for some of these games, like you could still make compelling arguments for the under because it's the story that I think encapsulates 2023. These offenses stink. 
and they yeah. have stunk for a long time and they will continue to for the rest of the season. And, and certainly it's something I've talked about a lot in terms of, okay, it's bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play. Even the running games uh, have been lackluster. So every single level that you can point to explains why these things are bad. And I think this is more of a you know word to the wise than anything else. And Joe, I'd love your opinion on this. But specifically mm-hmm. when we're talking about the Jaguars-Browns game, first off, if there is an update on this, uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted out, Trevor Lawrence, high ankle sprain, isn't ruled out for Sunday, but he'll need to get a lot better very quickly to somehow play. I don't see him playing. I think we're all in agreement that we will be seeing C.J. Beathard out there. But I guess my question is this. When we're seeing a high probability of precipitation for the game, uh, winds of 20 miles per hour. My buddy Kevin Roth is sort of forecasting that as of now. Every year, it seems like there's a bad weather game in Cleveland. And Mm -hmm. this is just what they do. It's one of the reasons why they emphasize the running game in the offseason, because they know they will have at least one to two bad weather games at home where it will be their efficient running style, which is how they win those ball games. So when it comes to handicapping a game like this, I think we almost forget every single year that the Browns have to succumb to this because of where they're located. But in a situation like this, don't you like the Browns a little bit more, even though they're dogs, because at least you trust their rushing attack a little bit more than the Jaguars, especially if Jacksonville is going to Beathard? Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Um, but you're, for me, it comes down to bad quarterback, and I've got to lay a field goal. Like That's that's mm-hmm. the other part. And I'm, I'm expecting a better effort out of the Jacksonville side. But, no, I mean, I want to see the injury report coming out of that Monday night game too, because let's not forget Kirk. They, they came out yesterday and said, Christian Kirk's going to be out a while. So he's certainly not playing in this game. He's probably going to miss at least a few games. Um, so th- there's that angle too. It's yeah. I mean, there's a big difference between the Cincinnati defense that Beathard saw in limited, uh, limited time versus <laughs> this Browns defense that he's going to see on the road where Cleveland plays great ball. So you're going to have to lean on the run game a little bit. And sure, yeah, you would say advantage Cleveland as far as that goes. Well, I'm glad you said I keep, I'm expecting a better effort from the Jags because that's pretty much what I've been saying all, for a while now. And then it just doesn't yeah. happen. So I don't know who this Jags team is. Like They kind of stumbled out of the gate the beginning of the season. Then they started playing well in London. And then for a while, I was like, okay, they turned a corner. Here we go. This is what the Jags did last year. And now they're regressing again. Like. I don't know if they're going to be able to flip that switch and expect a better. That's the problem I have with the Jags right now. But, you know, at worst, what can Cleveland do? What's the ceiling for that offense, too? Like, that's the other part of it. They don't have a Jamar Chase. They don't have Higgins as an option. I mean, the Bengals had two good running backs. Uh, they haven't all year, so that was more about about the Jaguars. But, yeah, it's it's – it's going to be interesting when Beathard is announced in. Does that total get any lower? Tomorrow is the lowest, as of right now, total of 30 between New England and Pittsburgh. And Jacksonville, Cleveland's 30 and a half. So it's right there. That's the lowest total we've seen in 30 years tomorrow, mm-hmm. if this is what it closes. And Jacksonville, Cleveland might be lower. Once you get a little bit more clarity on the weather and 
some other people that are going to be missing this game. Maybe Jacksonville, Cleveland sets all sorts of records after records are set tomorrow night. (laughs) Absolutely. That can happen. And, And I think we're more comfortable with that because of the state of the league right now. It's not necessarily, okay, we're looking at weather and back and forth, all that, you know, all the usual factors. I wonder if in previous years, it was more of the principle of the thing. It can't be this bad. No, it can be. And markets, you know, for the most part, they're getting sharper and sharper, right? Like if you're going after CLV, shouldn't you be taking the under in the here and now, knowing full well that if Beathard is out there, then some people are going to react uh, in a kind of procrastinated fashion. Okay, let's look at, at at the flip side because we're talking about the unders for good reason. These totals are dropping like a rock. Whether it looks like it's going to be a, a major factor, there's a total that's been going up, and it just doesn't fit with this season. Does anybody have a problem with Philly Dallas being fifty three? I mean, this was kind of the norm. You would see this every few weeks, just a couple of years ago, but this year. I, Maybe it's happened like once or twice where one's above 50. This was in the upper 40s when it first popped, right? I don't don't remember if that was like an early Mm -hmm. look or whatever, but it was posted at 48 and a half, and now we're sitting 53. Is that just too much of an overreaction to what we saw out of Dallas? I think so. It feels like a trap to me. I think in a way fans are wanting points, and they think this could be the matchup. Maybe this is a situation with a bit of a trap we have, a division game. These two teams know each other very, very well. Cowboys have a very good defense. So do the Eagles. I think it's the totals too high. It is high. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a division game. Division games tend to go under. They tend to be lower scoring because of that familiarity. I wonder if the one way that this does go over is that it's just a shootout that you're going back and forth and the lead is going to change a lot. And this lives up to the billing as being a super exciting ball game. There is a path for that. I suppose there's mm-hmm. also a path for the Cowboys to go nuts. Like it's possible they hang mm-hmm. 45, 48 in a game like this, because we do know this Ingles secondary is susceptible to allowing big plays. And I wonder if the Cowboys rank in the top three, as far as the ability to capitalize off of explosives. I also think this is like for the division too. There's a lot on the line here. I don't know if the Eagles are going to allow <laughs> the Cowboys to just, you know, score, run up the scoreboard here. I think you're going to get a much bigger effort and the Eagles are going to be like, no, we're still the top dog in the division. And I don't, I want a shootout from a fan perspective. I'm just not sure if we're going to get one. Yeah. Aaron, do you yeah, think I mean, that she- like the Eagles will kind of, play back a little bit and sort of, you know, allow the Cowboys to run a little bit more. And can they do that? Like with, you know, Mm, Tony Pollard hasn't exactly had the best of seasons. Prescott, you know, he is a very mobile quarterback still and is doing good things outside the pocket. One of those added dimensions to this offense. But do you feel like then the Eagles game plan will be, all right, do whatever you want in the short field. We're going to limit those big plays to CeeDee Lamb. That's a great point. If that is the game plan, then I might be interested in the CD Lamb props and looking at a under if that's what they're going to focus mm. on. Or are they going to allow him to be open and focus on everything else? It'll be interesting. 30 to 27 is just barely getting home on the over. <laughs> I mean, there's just mm-hmm. there's so many more ways True. for the under, even with these offenses. And, uh, you know, yesterday... 
as far as the points, point spreads are not moving as much this week, which I find really interesting. Uh, but one that did move that I just can't get behind. There's Jets money yesterday. Why? Went from six and a half <laughs> to five and a half. Texans are your favorite. How do you go? How do you back the Jets at this point? Especially since we don't know, and and maybe they have an idea of who the quarterback's going to be. Okay, fine. Let's say it's Zach Wilson. Is that the best option? I have no idea. Whatever. I guess it probably is. But I'm not backing the Jets getting less than a touchdown against Stroud and company. Do people just think? But does it have anything to do with the Jets? Be this big of favorites yet, and it's more of that. I, I don't know. You're saying the Texans should not be favored by this much on the road kind of Yeah, deal. maybe the people – I certainly don't. How dare you speak about my Texans that way? But perhaps that's what's going on. Like, should Texans yeah. be this big of favorites? Like, maybe we should pump the brakes here. Just lost Tank Dell. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. I guess. It's, it's a good pass defense going up against Stroud, and that's how you're going to score. But, yeah, I'm still – I'm still not – no. <laughs> you can there are other spots almost every team is playing this week so i would just rather go elsewhere it, that almost feels like a 17 13 ball game houston wins it but they do it in right. ugly fashion and 17 13 you go okay yeah the score wasn't addictive just how dominant you know the texans were but still they don't cover the number and in that respect, I get why it's moved, but I also completely agree that there's very little as far as this Jets offense. I mean, serious question here. How does Robert Sala keep his job? Like, if this is such a quarterback soap opera right now, doesn't he have to shoulder some of that blame? This isn't just about Zach Wilson. This is about a series of quarterbacks who have played really poorly in Jets uniforms over the last couple of years. Yeah. No, why? Why, why, should, why should I just say, okay, you lost your QB1 first series of the season, all is forgiven. I don't like the way he's handled this one bit. I, and this has been going on for, for months now. So I don't have any faith that he's the guy if, if I'm Jets ownership. Has it been his decision? Is a GM issue? Yeah. Well, right, I know. Well, but then – Okay, at one point, it seemed like the ownership was forcing Zach Wilson, and then because it was so bad, no longer forcing Zach Wilson. So I, I don't know. It just so you're, how, you're kind of stuck, right? Because Rodgers is coming back, which means Hackett is coming back because you're letting him pull all the strings, which means why fire your head right. coach? Like you're just you're playing out the string this year, and then you're running it back next year. And like to be fair to Salah, he's a defensive guy, and the defense is pretty mm-hmm. good still. And they have not given up on them. Well, the defense better be good with the amount of talent that they've compiled on that side of the ball. It has to be. They have to have something. Um, they've poured so many of their assets to that side of the ball as well before Rodgers. Uh, yeah, I know he's a defensive guy, and people get painted as that. You become the CEO, though. You've got to adapt. You're the you're in charge of everything. I, I don't like it when people point to, oh, well, you're the defensive guy. You're the, the offense. No, you're the head coach. Like yes. you control everything. But like, but he's answering the chairman of the board. Like that that's part right. of this. And he, and the other part of it is like he's got a very powerful shareholder in Aaron Rodgers who is dictating who's on the offensive staff. I guess it just doesn't make sense to that's me to fire him. Like yeah. when you're running it all back next Dang. year anyway. You you've made that decision. You've You've made that bed. Yep. 
Yeah, once you brought in Rodgers, you brought in all these old receivers. You brought in the offensive coordinator. So what do you do? You bring a new head coach. New head coach is going to want different OC. Uh, yeah, you're right. Just I guess you got to run it out once you uh, signed Rodgers. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brad Spielberger on how he's betting the big games of the week, including Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, and so much more right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Are you ready for the most interesting? Spielberger from Pro Football Focus is here every Wednesday to get you over the hump with your NFL bets. Was the biggest bet of the week for me, the Houston Texans here. <laughs> you know, we've talked a bunch about the Broncos and, and, and kind of how they've looked the last couple weeks, but five-game win streak right now. But um, one of the flukier five-game win streaks I, I think you'll see this season. On BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Of course, Brad's right. He always is. Like, he knows what he's doing. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. Brad Spielberger is in the house right here from Pro Football Focus. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Absolutely nailed that pick uh, between the Texans and the Broncos. Uh, And this is an interesting week because it feels like the first week in quite some time where there are several games that could very well be impacted by weather. Uh, As far as those weather contests are concerned, general process that you have for this week and any one particular bet that stands out. Yeah, for sure. The biggest thing for me um, is actually kind of fading some narratives as it relates to weather and also, I think, overemphasizing others. So a lot of people will point to rain or snow. Historically, there's not a, a, a lot of data supporting a massive outcome once the books have adjusted to rain or snow. The big thing that impacts the passing game and therefore impacts game outcomes and more importantly, in some cases, totals is wind. So I'm paying a ton of attention to wind. Generally, it's a base rate about 15 miles per hour is where it starts to impact intermediate and deep passing. And obviously, you're going to get gusts above the base floor about 15, but that's where it starts to impact it. So then you look at teams and you look at, okay, is a downfield passing, explosive passing attack a huge part of their offense? And if so, then you're probably going to downgrade them, at least on the offensive side of the football. So, yeah, that's where I start there. Um, As it ties into this week in particular, um, you know, I don't think there's any, you know, particular, I guess there is one actually. So I just mentioned where if, if an explosive downfield passing attack is a big part of your game, the Houston Texans, that, that is probably, that might be the poster child for that this year. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, it's the only element of their offense, but it is a huge, huge part of it. They're going to New York, playing a very, very good Jets defense, a Jets defense that already limits explosive plays as well as any defense in the NFL, play a lot of cover three, play a lot of off coverage in that Robert Sala scheme. Um, 
And then you add in sustained winds around 15 to 20 miles an hour with gusts up to 25. So, you know, I don't know if you're playing that where you're playing the Jets because, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm not betting on the Jets right now in any any standpoint. But, you know, the total there, I want to say, started around 37. Um, and it may you may have seen that and been like, oh, my goodness, a Texans total at 37. That makes no sense. Made a whole lot of sense when you look at the win situation and the explosive passing game for Houston. I think we've missed the boat there. But that's probably the best example. Um, and there, there's kind of my synopsis on how I look at weather. And like you said, we're in December now. It matters even more. Yeah, and uh, a couple of these spots with very low totals, like tomorrow, you have backup versus backup. So you have weather, and then you have QB2s, QB3s, some situations, maybe QB4s out there uh, this week. So it's likely to be some ugly, ugly football. All right, so we were going over the most bettable backup quarterbacks earlier in the show. Is there one that you think is most bettable, and is there another backup in line to start that uh, you cannot wait to fade. So Gardner's been our guy all year. You know, obviously we we took him. I, I hope I shared that on the show. We had, we had the Colts last week uh, in Tennessee, uh, and, and so he's been our guy for a while. I'm not sure I love his matchup with another backup that I probably would have answered uh, for the latter part of that question in Jake Browning after he was 32 of 37 for 354 yards. Uh, and the Jaguars defense should should still just be embarrassed by what they put on the field on Monday night. Um, so anyway, there, there's that. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, who in particular I'd want to fade as a backup? Hmm. I mean, I do think there, there there's two buckets of backups, and I think you should also view them depending on the game. So there's there's the high variance type of backup, like a you know, Josh Dobbs, for example, like a Mitchell Trubisky, um, and then there's kind of the low variance you know, game managing backup, you know, which I probably would have said Jake Browning probably fell more into that bucket. I don't know if we can say that now. Um, you know, like that's like your Tim Boyle, your Trevor Simeon versus the Jets now go out and get a Brett Rippon. He falls into that high variance, could be great, could be four interception type bucket. So long answer short there, you know, look, the Steelers, as bad as the Patriots are with a game total of 30 um, and, and Mitchell Trubisky against Bill Belichick, a defense that has allowed 10 or fewer points three mm-hmm. weeks in a row and the fewest points in the NFL since week nine. Yeah, part of that probably because offenses don't need to score, um, you know, late in games because they're winning. But nevertheless, maybe that's one angle there because Trubisky is going to be the guy that's going to push it downfield. Yeah, you might get some explosives, some scoring. He also might get picked off multiple times. I want to ask you about Eagles at Cowboys. Looking forward to this matchup. This spread at three and a half. The total we were talking about earlier, high, 53. Uh, I also saw this crazy headline, David Carr saying that the Eagles should play Mariota and try to get Jalen Hurts healthy, that there's no point in playing him right now. So I'm curious your thoughts just on this matchup, side total, and also David Carr's comments on NFL Network. Uh, to, to Mariota, he has both in his career at times been the high variance backup and the boring, you know, do nothing backup, depending on the situation of the team. But I mean, absurd comment. I, you know, I don't know. You're going to get me in trouble. David Carr, you know, says a lot of dumb things on the airwaves. I think taking 70 sacks as a rookie may have may have jumbled his brain a little bit. Um, yeah, one of the dumbest comments of the year. But anyway. The total's probably too high. You know, I do think as many concerns as I have about both of these defenses, you know, in particular over the middle, which is why there was a bidding war for Darius or Shaq Leonard. I keep saying Darius Leonard. Uh, between Shaq Leonard for, by the Cowboys and the Eagles, 
Terrence Steele has been the issue for the Cowboys pass protection unit so far this year, coming back from the torn ACL. And that's where Hassan Reddick's going to do most of his work over the right tackle. Um, Dak Prescott came back down to earth. He hadn't been sacked in three games. I kind of highlighted in trying to get a Boye Mafe prop that didn't hit, but but that that you know the, his sack his pressure to sack rate actually is you know kind of you know like below average. Um, and, and he went three games without getting sacked and got sacked four times against Seattle and had been sacked four times or more. I want to say five games in a row before uh, the three game streak of zero. So. You know, maybe that's an angle there is you're playing some Hassan Reddick sack props if they're, if they're decent value and maybe also looking at the under here. It's a late season divisional game. I know they're explosive offenses. I know CeeDee Lamb can can pick on, you know, the Eagles inability to cover over the middle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but I do think that total is a bit too high. Wanted to ask you about some uh, research that got posted by our friend uh, Robbie Greer on Twitter, where he believes that when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, deep accuracy throws beyond 20 air yards. Maybe that's more of a function of the wide receiver than it is the quarterback himself. First off, do you agree with that assessment? And if so, because we get so enamored by explosives, are there quarterbacks that maybe we should be fading because they rely so much on deep plays, but in reality, when it comes to what a quarterback is actually responsible for, maybe they're not as good as what some critics might say. I need to go check that out now. Yeah, everyone, or at our Greer NFL, um, one of the best followers on Twitter does phenomenal, phenomenal work. So I need to go read that. I hadn't seen it. But it's funny you mentioned that, actually. There was a shout-out to somebody else, too. Theo Ash does some pretty cool film breakdown. He's probably yeah. 19 years old, so shout-out shout out Theo as well. <laughs> and he had a tweet like a month or two ago. Um, no, nah, credit to him. He, he, he works hard. And he was like, I think that we are putting too much value in, yeah, this accuracy 20-plus yards downfield, to me, is a wide receiver stat. And he used – it was like a Tony Pollard play um, probably a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, where it was like, you know, downfield wheel route over the shoulder. And he was like, a wide receiver, an NFL wide receiver is catching this 10 out of 10 times. And then we're sitting there saying, oh, what a great downfield pass from Dak Prescott, pinpoint accuracy. But Pollard kind of played it over the wrong shoulder, kind of got his feet twisted and missed the ball. And he's like, I could see a charting company saying, oh, that was an inaccurate pass because it wasn't really like it looked like it, it you know, without context. So actually, because of that, it kind of like dive into film and dive into it looked at our, our accuracy charting. Um, and I think we do account for it. I, I talked to some graders and we do, and we try to as much as we can. Anyway, long answer short, I agree. And, and I think Look at even Tyree Kill's second touchdown from this past week. He's initially looking over his left shoulder. He turns around and catches it over his right shoulder and scores that 70-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Like, if that's a bad, if that's a lesser receiver, it's probably an incompletion, and we're saying two is not accurate. So, yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm excited to go read Robbie Greer's analysis on it because I'm sure it's first rate. Um, and it is. It's an important point to understand. Last thing I'll say on that, Jordan Love – I probably talked about it on the show. I talked about a lot of places. He was our least accurate passer on throws 10 plus yards downfield through like week six or week seven. Every single pass catcher he's throwing to is either a rookie or a second year player. And then like Christian Watson gets healthy and Romeo Dobbs starts playing better football. Dontavian Wicks, you know, the rookie, Jaden Reed, the rookie, start playing better football. And oh, voila, he's been awesome throwing 15 and 20 plus yards downfield. Maybe he wasn't as much of the issue. I do think there were some throws on film where he was the issue, but nevertheless, uh, maybe that, that that credit or that blame should be more shared than we originally thought. Who's going to be the MVP? 
I mean, I, I just I, I do feel as though there will be enough pressure, uh, you know, from from I don't know how to say this, like more nerdy, advanced media, because that's that's not who has the votes. It's obviously the the kind of old old heads that probably do want to vote for Brock Purdy. But I think there will be mm-hmm. enough of a drumbeat from the you know more advanced analysts that say like the, Brock Purdy is not driving this engine um, and does not deserve to win an MVP award in the NFL. Granted, if you're the total EPA leader, you've won it like, I don't know, what is it, like 90% of the time in the last 15 years, and mm-hmm. he's probably going mm-hmm. to be the leader in total EPA generated on a at least top three seed, maybe one seed in a conference. Give it. Here's my thing. If, if Dallas beats Philadelphia this weekend, Dak Prescott should be the first, he's number one in odds. Um, you know, I think he needs that statement win. They then would have the same record as Philly. Philly would, Philly would have a tiebreaker and conference record. They'd still be the one seed, but... If Dallas wins the NFC East and therefore is either the one or two seed and Dak keeps playing like this, in my opinion, it should be Dak. Yeah, it looks like it might be headed that way. What are some of your favorite bets for the week that we haven't touched on yet, Brad? Yeah, so one total that I think is interesting, um, very scary to play overs in in today's NFL, but uh, Bills at Chiefs, uh, it's 47 and a half now. So the Bills' defense is just bad. Like, we've known that. They're bad. Yes, they've had a bye week, but they just don't have the horses, uh, you know, right now on defense. The Rasul Douglas trade was great. He's been pretty good. Um, he's been up and down. He's had some great games, some poor games. They are going to struggle mightily to cover Travis Kelsey. You know, the, the, the linebackers and safeties they have right now just cannot do it. And, um, you know, I think that will be exposed. But then also, they're just not going to generate enough pressure, and Patrick Mahomes will do Patrick Mahomes things. Now, on the flip side, as much as I do love this Chiefs defense, the injuries are really kind of mounting up at this point. And you're playing your, your fourth inside linebacker, and I think it's Jack Conkren, who actually played pretty well in, in that game. Uh, but, you know, week of film, you'll find ways to pick on him. They also lose Brian Cook, a very good young safety, who I don't know how long he's out for, but he's definitely not playing in this game um, based on that ankle injury. So I think you can attack the middle with them. They're going to have both tight ends back in this game, probably more 12 personnel, more throwing over the middle. Um, and then Stephon Diggs is a tough matchup for anyone, you know, as much as I like Legereus Steed and Trent McDuffie. So the over 47 and a half in that game, um, I, I think, and, and hopefully it's a fun one, but th- that's one play. Not my favorite, not my favorite lineup, to be totally honest with you. I guess one, one other one I liked coming into the week was the Colts, but, you know, then I saw Jake Browning play Monday night. So uh, I guess we'll go with that total <laughs> to start. Uh, and then Miami minus 13. There's one more for you. They are as bad of a matchup for Tennessee as I could imagine because you say, okay, Tennessee can be physical and that's a problem for Miami. Yeah, sure. If Jeffrey Simmons is playing, which he's not going to be, it sounds like. I know Derrick Henry is not in the protocol. I'm not really sure why. I thought he was like unconscious on the field for two seconds in in that last game. So I just think it's it's a bad matchup because the ways you could talk yourself into Tennessee covering this spread are no longer there on the flip side. Vic Fangio in this Miami Dolphins defense um, has limited explosives. They have the best uh, coverage grade and EPA per, per, per drop back allowed uh, against throws 15 plus yards downfield on the season. Will Levis has just been chucking it up. Like he's just been throwing bombs. I think he's going to get picked off two, three times in this game. Um, I like Miami in another blowout here. Speaking of the Dolphins uh, with about a minute to go here, Brad, does that mean that, Miami is en route to a one seed in the AFC? I think it's very possible. You know, Baltimore, I do want to see them, you know, get back to playing good offense without a Mark Andrews and see if they can, you know, look look a little bit better in that regard. 
Miami's defense, I, I hated the loss of Jalen Phillips, but I still think it's, you know, it, it's a really good unit and, and they're getting better each week. And, and then also, yeah, the offense is just so dynamic and so explosive. Yeah, I, I think it's very, very possible they are headed that way. Also, real quick, uh, Broncos, uh, looks like Russell Wilson, you know, likelier and likelier to uh, not be around after next year. Does this matter at all as far as handicapping this game against the Chargers? Not really. No, it, it's going to be a fascinating decision for them, no matter what they do, but not really. And these two teams are bizarre, like just different week to week. The Chargers defense is like playing decent football now, not because the Patriots game, but, you know, the Ravens game and other things. Doesn't matter to me, no, but... I, I do think one team has full faith and confidence in their coach and the other team is waiting for their coach to be fired. So that might, that might matter. <laughs> Good stuff. You can get Brad Spielberger from pro football focus. Thank you so mm -hmm. much for your time. We always appreciate you having uh, being able to come on each and every Wednesday. This is BetQL daily presented by BetMGM. coming up next. Will favorites continue to be the winning play for week 14 and what's Shohei Otani going to do? We've got the critically acclaimed trend or truth coming up right here on the BetQL network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. It's a good possibility. I think that, um, um, yeah, we met with him. You know, I don't want to, I'd like to be honest. And so uh, we, we, we met with Shohei and uh, we talked and um, I think it went well. I think it went well. But at the end of the day, uh, he's his own man and he's going to do what's best uh, for himself, uh, where he feels most comfortable. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Open mouth, insert foot. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Uh, coming up at the top of hour number three, Isaac Trotter will have some college hoops takes for us to use as far as our bets go in the sport. Uh, but let's talk about Shoei Otani here, because uh, Major League Baseball free agency hangs in the balance based upon where he will take his services. And certainly, you know, the obvious names as far as the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Giants, those are uh, some of the favorites to acquire Otani. But, Joe, and we were talking about this during the break, Otani is a very private guy. He does not share much with most people. And so mm -hmm. the fact that any report might leak about who he's talking to and how those conversations are going, the big thing with Otani is, don't talk about Otani, just like Fight Club. And the fact that anybody leaks anything about it, I think that's, uh, that organization really takes a step back in terms of the probability of acquiring a services. David, just when you think Dave Roberts can't get any dumber, he gets dumber. Like, that, that's the rule. <laughs> we can talk about whether we like the rule or not, or by being a public figure coming over here and playing if he's given that up a little bit you give up a little bit of your privacy well when you're the best in the world you can kind of set the rules like you know michael jordan could have done whatever he wanted lebron can do what he wants it's just how the game is played mm -hmm. but 
this is what every this is the parameters that have been set. Like, no. Like there are rumors out there. Okay, fine. Oh, the Blue Jays believed to have met with Otani. But I am into a microphone at the winter meetings for Dave Roberts to say this. What a moron. Council was asked the exact same question yesterday about the Cubs. He's like, not my place to say. I have not met him. I can't, I'm, I don't want to say anything else. Like that's okay. He's following the rules. Craig Council's really smart. Dave Roth, Roberts is really <laughs> dumb. Like when, he, when we talk about him as a, as a baseball manager, whatever, like, God, dude, I know you're the favorite and everybody thinks that he's going there and you met with him. Okay, fine. But don't piss them off. Like you're in the advantageous spot here. I, I just didn't understand that at all. There, I know nothing happened as far as Otani. And then once that domino falls, like everything's going to start moving and people are getting frustrated with it. But it did feel like there was a lot going on yesterday without anything official happening. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're Dave Roberts, like, what do you have to gain from that? It feels like you're just shooting yourself in the foot. If, you know, he's this private guy, he's probably thinking, great, I like my privacy. And this is how we're starting off. Like, I, I would definitely, as Joe alluded to, probably even think twice. You were my favorite, but now kind of made me a little annoyed. I might look elsewhere and be open to Dude, it. If he lost them, Otani fired immediately immediately <laughs> like right now he's fired he's gone forever forever um and then uh, something that it, it was locally it was a bigger story i don't know if you guys saw it i mean like okay bob nightingale there are certain organizations he gets things right with and a lot of organizations he gets things wrong with right i think we all know that he's like he's trying to be employed in this business and the rumor mill of major league baseball and he goes on rumors and the rosenthal's the morosi's the the passons they don't really go on rumors like bob nightingale does but bob nightingale works for usa today he's trying to keep that that uh website newspaper whatever relevant in some sense uh he pretty much announced yesterday that the cubs were out on otani and so all the baseball reporters that were there at the winter meetings like jed hoyer got in his face apparently he was pissed mm. at Nightingale over this because, and, and he's like, we are not out on Otani basically saying that was a gar another garbage report. And he's pretty much said that on the record without well, saying so much about Nightingale reports in the past. So that well, was maybe, a, a, maybe an amusing storyline. Because if you're not out, the Cubs have more value. Uh, if, if you want to bet on Otani's next team, you know, because they are one of the teams that you're hearing about as one of the favorites, yeah. but that's one of the teams at six to one. You know, there's more value than like the Dodgers minus 150, Jays, who he apparently met with in Dunedin. Uh, that's four to one. So, well, that's the odds were slipping helping. actually because for weeks, uh, the Cubs were the second favorite to get Otani at around like plus 375. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I know at one point yesterday they fell all the way to eight to one. That's the reason why, because the Nightingale's report. And I don't know that I would change odds on a Bob Nightingale report is, is all I'm saying. Cause exactly. it's things wrong a lot. Gra grab the that, eight to one that while is, you can. 
<laughs> Joe, that's your version of the national baseball writer and basically discrediting yeah. him and here and now. That's that's your way to say that. That certainly makes a lot of sense. You know, when we're trying to figure out where he's going to go, like I, I guess I've always thought to me like he's going to stay on the West Coast. And so Dodgers, mm-hmm. Giants uh, make the most sense as far as that's concerned. But doesn't it feel like you have a lot of conflicting forces at the same time? Like, yeah, a team in contention. Perhaps a team in a big market, because uh, certainly he's great in terms of marketing whatever product he might be selling. And all of those things matter. But he also likes his privacy. And sometimes these things contradict each other. Like, can he enjoy his privacy if he's a member of the L.A. Dodgers? Uh, Can he kind of you know, not be in the spotlight all the time if he's with the San Francisco Giants? The Giants, you know... They fired their manager. So are they really a contender right now in a really tough division where a team that seemed random made it to the World Series? So it does feel like there's not one ball club that really checks all of the boxes for Otani to where this is Uh an obvious approach. Yeah, the ones that have the money that can get Otani. It won't Mm -hmm. make sense. It's Sorry, Shohei, you're not going to find a small market team where you can just kind of tuck away and and not be followed much, right? Wherever he goes, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of fans. They bring a lot of attention. And you're Shohei Otani. So wherever you go is where the reporters are going to go. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right. You're you're certainly right about that. Yeah, and there are – I know Paul wanted to talk about this. There are also some people that are very frustrated right now. I don't think fans care. I don't. They love watching Otani. They want to see where he goes. If you're a fan of a team that is in the mix, like you're constantly checking acts or trying to find out, okay, what's the latest report? What's the latest? What's the latest? They want to know. But as far as you know, free agency not moving or not knowing about his private life, I don't think most fans really care all that much. Like It, it makes your job easier. If you had more intel on Otani, but but during the break we were talking about it, Buster, I get where only is coming from with this piece about how it would be better for the game if Otani decided to share. But like he kept going on and on about how how it was such a big deal for that that he refused to release the name of his dog. Like he was like mad about it. Like this happened, I guess, at the All Star break or something. Didn't even know this about is it. Strange. Like yeah, I like it's the first I heard about it, and it's just mm-hmm. lazy too by Buster. Like it's uh, it's either maybe someone's giving him really bad advice or silence is his choice, or I don't know, Buster. How many Asian and Japanese media people are at the All Star game and everywhere this guy goes? Maybe talk to them off the record or behind the scenes and see. Like I don't know much about Japanese culture, but I I do know that it's kind of buttoned up. And that it's kind of private and like maybe consider that's a possibility too, instead of just being like, oh, this makes my job harder. Like maybe have some respect for another possibility and that maybe it's part of who he is and also like kind of how he grew up and potentially the culture he grew up in. And like, I, I don't know that's the case, but at least consider it. It's not just lazy or, you know, he doesn't want to, or he's hurting the game. This is about your job. Like, just shut up, man. Like it, it was just... It was lazy and stupid and whiny, and I agree with you to the point that, like, fans don't care. Tell me March 1st he's on my team. Great. Like, even Cliff Lee bringing it back to, like, the Phillies. 
they weren't talking. There was like it was a mystery team. It was the same sort of like speculation. Like I, it's all the speculation is almost as good as like anything else that's going on. Like who cares if it's December first, December fifteenth, January fifteenth? Who cares? I don't like I, but I do, Joe. Life. I will agree with you. Like to yeah. a certain point, like in some regard, yes. Like the attention for the game, he could grow it much more. Yes, but that's not on him necessarily. It's not my job. Right, right. Mm-hmm. His job is to play baseball, and he does it at the highest of levels, and that's what he gets paid for. It, and maybe his argument is that he's already doing that by pitching and hitting. The fact that he's doing something yep. that no one else is doing of that caliber—that's how he's growing the game. It's not through his personal life; it's just through his on-field play. That it's so mesmerizing, so captivating. That is probably his argument to say, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in terms of growing the game. And it's also something where I know some folks are saying, well, that's why he belongs on the East Coast so that there are more eyeballs, et cetera, et cetera. I I think baseball did a good job as far as making sure that they're putting the Angels on national games when they are out on the East Coast or maybe they have an earlier start time, like 6 o'clock Pacific, something like that. Baseball's doing just fine if he does stay on the West Coast. Two more points. I do think when it comes to a team like the Cubs, if he does want a ton of privacy, maybe that's not the best fit. Like, that's one of the more popular teams. I think you can have that, even with the Dodgers, Angels, Giants. Toronto's interesting. Like, do you get the best of all three worlds? Canada, like, if you're talking about international superstardom, like, because you still get the American pole, but you're in Canada. And you get some privacy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you get to go to the new play in New York a lot. That'd be interesting. But you get to leave. Yeah. Which, right. You know, right. Got a That's whole what I'm country saying. Country behind you, too, of fans. Yeah. We won't be complaining about Yankees Red Sox being on national TV. It's going to be every Otani game at Fenway, at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. This is Beckwell Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Isaac Trotter from 24 7 Sports joins us to talk some college hoops. That's right here on the Beckwell Network. <laughs> 